Welcome to the Drink Like a Lady podcast, where we teach emerging female leaders to not only get a drink at the bar, but also to get a drink. Well, I guess you could get a drink in the boardroom, Kathy, but is to get a seat at the bar and get a seat in the boardroom. How are you today? I am great. It's It's been a great day for me. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, in episode one, we talked about the merits of the pivot as a leader. In episode two, we talked about having empathy as a leader. In episode three, we talked about building a leadership brand. In episode four, we talked about putting that leadership brand into action. We've logged quite a few uh, episodes here. By uh, episode uh, six, we talked about using leadership to create opportunity for your teammates and your direct reports. Episode seven, we talked about recognizing the value of leisure and taking a break. Episode eight, we talked about why we need to learn both the art and the science of delegating in order to be a more effective leader, which brings us to today's episode, episode nine, where we're talking about our first management role and how do we set ourselves up for success. Um, Kathy, why did we pick this topic today? Why are you passionate about this? My passion has to do with there are so many individuals at this point with the reordering of business mm -hmm. that they've been given new opportunities. That the uh, the positions in the companies are changing. They've had to reconfigure where they've got to invest their money and their talent. So now you've got uh, technical skills and individuals in one role moving to into now a new management role, and um, people are always inquiring, "What do you do on the first day as a new manager?" Well, one of the thing, one of the conversations I love to have is what are the expectations for me? Yes. And understanding where, um, what, my, what's the scope of my work? Where am I going to overstep, and where can I show initiative? Right? Because everybody wants the ability to be a little bit creative and have that kind of empowerment and freedom. But where are the bumper guards? Where do I get reined in? And what are the expectations of me? Maybe three months, five months, twelve months down the line. You know, what's really important is to understand exactly what your role is, your new role. And lots of times, individuals default to their old role and don't take on the power that they now have. And, I, and the power is working with people. So make sure that you totally understand what your new role is, what your responsibilities are. Um, and in that, make sure that you're def it's defined not only by yourself, but by your superior and what the objectives are there. I remember hearing the CEO of Castle speak at the Bloomberg Breakaway Summit. It's an annual summit that they have where they're interviewing CEOs on their best practices. And I love what she had to say. The name, her name escapes me now, but she said that, you know, leaders will often come in and they've got this great idea that they, you know, thought of overnight. And then they kind of heave that upon their team and they're like, okay, now execute. But meanwhile, you may already be juggling several balls. So they actually instituted a priority system where an employee got to rank where this particular new project would land in the scope of all the different other priorities they had. And if it came down low, then that was actually a checks and balances for the CEO to say, well, yes. maybe this is not going to happen right now. But I think, you know, priority check-ins are always important. Like what ball do I get to drop in order to prioritize one and two? And as a new manager, you, you, it's not about dropping the ball. It's really about, once again, going back to what we talked about in delegation. How do you maybe delegate part of that as well? Um, looking at how that new priority fits within the scope of the new objectives. Um, you know, also, I think what is really key besides your own role, take a look at all of the, uh, your peers in terms of where that may be on the lateral scale and uh, understand what they're doing and, and what their, some of their successes are. I'm always looking for 
who's successful at something and what can I learn from them? This uh, un, unending learning is just so critical. Yeah, there's so much to learn when you're checking your peripheral vision. What yes. About, what about your direct reports, right? Like, you know, they too can feel overwhelmed and maybe they don't necessarily have the leadership skills to say, I'm overwhelmed. You know, I, I know that you used to do the walk arounds. I wonder if that's effective yes. as well, checking in individually with people. Well, I think we, it goes back to the episodes we talked about and how critical they are. This is an excellent time to put all of those um, opportunistic conversations we've had into action. Sit down with everybody. Learn about them. What motivates them? What's their passion? Um, you know, build up that stress, uh, uh, you know, that trust, not the stress, but the trust. Um, but, you know, I just listened to a podcast on parenting, and it actually made me think about we are sometimes parents to the individuals at, at work. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but it said connect first and then correct and direct. And I love that because once you connect with somebody, they'll listen to both of those. Mm -hmm. And then the other point that you brought up, and I, as someone that I'm a big fan of is Carla Harris. I spent a brief time at Morgan Stanley, and she's someone who does a lot of motivational speaking there. And she said, you know, anytime you are coming into a seat, you're about to occupy a seat in a company. It's not enough to think about that seat, but you need to think about the seat that you're going to occupy three clicks down the road, right? you got to think of your whole career. And who do you need to enlist as your ally? or as your mentor who's going to hold a mirror up to you and say, I need you to cultivate this, this, and this in order for you to be able to occupy that seat. So finding that mentor is so key when you first come in the door. Without a doubt. And, you know, um, what, I, what I not only did when I was at the Wall Street Journal, I not only did it for myself, but part of our weekly goals when we went into the city out of Princeton was that each one of my team members were to do the same thing. They were to connect with individuals across Wall Street Journal, across News Corp. And what it did was it really created a very powerful network for getting um, their objectives accomplished. So today, folks, we are talking on the Drink Like a Lady podcast about that first management role. When you land that first management role, how do you make sure that you are set up for success? And the first uh, point on this one is to really define your role and make sure that you've got a high level of connectivity, not only with the people that you report into, but also with the folks that report into you. The second thing is, um, it actually dovetails nicely out of that, which is to build good relationships with your team. Right. And how would you recommend folks do that? Well, once again, it goes back to the, the connection. You know, most people leave companies because of their immediate manager, not because of anyone else around it, but their immediate manager and how mm -hmm. they're creating it. And it, it also depends, on, I believe, on your mindset. I, you're a leader first, and, and that's the way um, I've always walked into situations. And then you are the doer behind that. You're the, you're the person as well behind it. So make sure that you're enlisting your um you know your individuals within your team make sure the team is also working together that's i think a lot of people forget that besides them working with you there's this team effort that may have to happen we have become a very complex working um area of business now it's not just where everyone used to have their silos go away and then two weeks later they can come back yeah and it's becoming probably increasingly harder because we're all in these silos now right we're yes. all on these zoom screens and how do you realize some of those synergies that you could realize at the water cooler you know uh, uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning there's something, That's right. you, there's something that you invoke from dale carnegie that i really loved about authenticity and and really building authentic personal connections versus maybe a transactional one 
and we did, Joy. We talked about this in terms of authentic brand leadership. You are a brand. What you communicate is authentic. People see it. They know it. They feel it. Um, I just had a situation in, at an organization where we were getting um, we were getting pushback big time, and my team was very. Um, very frustrated and what I wanted to do is figure out how to unfrustrate them and open up the dams for success and I was very fortunate because I'm a walk around person mm -hmm. you know it's, it's about getting out there I was able to meet someone who had influence on the other side of a relationship with a vendor and literally within 24 hours um, the results of that relationship changed and it was because we sat and talked authentically. You know, I trust her, she trusts me, um, and I'm here to make her successful and vice versa. So yeah. that whole walk around thing and authenticity is so powerful. So today on today's uh, Drink Like a Lady episode, where we're helping female emerging leaders not only get a seat at the bar, but also get a seat in the boardroom. And we're talking about that first management role that you've landed and how you can be successful at it. So first, we ask that you define your role. The second is to build good relationships with your team. And then the third is to identify and communicate your goals. And what kind of goals can these be? They can be personal ones. They can be professional ones based on what I've heard other, heard other ladies uh, in my membership say. You know, it's really important because uh, Talk to your team members and what they see as well. Um, you know, the best uh, advice that I've gotten in terms of, of how to get someplace sometimes is the individuals who have the boots on the ground. They know what, what it takes to get there, and then you can guide them to get there. There's this thing called the new broom syndrome, and we talked about this briefly. And there are a lot of individuals who come in, and they make sweeping changes, therefore the new broom. Um, but they really don't know the dynamics behind that. When you do that, you lose your constituencies around you. Yeah. So um, that is very integral in terms of understanding both the effectiveness and the efficiency of setting those goals. Um, new ideas are great. Uh, make sure that um, the old ideas still need to be completed before we sweep them away. And it's even some, uh, just a, that's a commentary on humanity, right? Anytime you want to install yes. a new habit, you really need to sort of gently introduce one at a time. One whole big like overhaul isn't necessarily going to be effective, but what can you do each week that's additive to something that you're already doing to kind of reach that long-term goal? You know, Joy, one of the things I've always done, um, having also believed so so importantly is the uh, brand credo, the brand mission and vision, and we talked about this, is I set up for each of the teams a, a mission. And once that mission, with them, not me setting it up, but with them, and once everyone is three points, once again, don't make it big, three points of what they'll be able to understand they need to do no matter what the situation is. That then brings a lot of uh, unity and collaboration, and then they can make choices whether I'm there or their leader is there or your new manager role, um, person is there because, you know, they're on a steep curve too, learning their new role. Right. And always being goal focused, right? Keeping those goals yes. right at the top so that everyone knows what's what's at stake. And in order to get buy in to understand how you are a person that's helping to drive the business, but giving context and saying, how are you somebody that's helping to drive that business? And when people have context, they, of course, by default, then have a better understanding and maybe a little more motivation to do what they're supposed to do. Um, feedback is always an important one. I remember we yes. did a workshop in the early days of 
of Lady Drinks on how to provide feedback, both negative and positive, how to have those difficult conversations. And you have a, a specific process around providing feedback. I believe feedback has to come very quickly um, in, in working alongside of them, especially as a new manager. Um, you've got to know the dynamics. You've got to know how far individuals will go with authority you gave them. We talk about this in delegating. Um, but feedback along the way to course correct them uh, and then reassure them that you're there for success. But be very honest about the feedback and don't make it personal. Mm -hmm. This is not personal. This is about, you know, a business professional um, um, approach to it um, and I call it you know sometimes you have tough conversations and I walk in always saying this is going to be a tough conversation but we'll have it and also I think what's interesting is be prepared for the feedback they give you mm -hmm. that is so critical in terms of your own learning I remember when we had this workshop one of the things that our speaker Rebecca Maxwell talked about was being just know that you've got to focus on the behavior not on the person. That's exactly. tip number one. And then also know when to walk away. Know that your feedback may not land well and you may not, you know, get make too much progress on that day, especially if the person's defense mechanisms up or their haunches are up. So, you know, knowing that there's a time to just call it and walk away too. It may not necessarily always go well. Yeah, you want to make sure that people are open for the feedback because if they're not open, it's almost like a Teflon pan. It just sort of slides off. Um, and that's why connection is so critical when you're um, establishing yourself as a manager. And then also you bring up an interesting point about timing. The timing and the place where you offer feedback can also be a swing factor in how things go. You know, you know, the, the really the standard is you praise people in front of other people mm -hmm. and then you criticize them or give them fee uh, negative feedback um, behind closed doors. Um, anything outside of that really doesn't reinforce good behavior mm -hmm. uh, as well. And I have done that, you know, almost, almost, um, I will say, consistently across my career. And it has made a huge difference in terms of the performance of the teams. Yeah, and a smart young person once said to me that the way that he was taught to give feedback is that you say, I really liked X, but an area of improvement is Y, right? Because right. we are primarily wired to have fight or flight, and the minute that you hear something that's gonna get you up on your haunches or you know, be a perceived threat, you really don't hear a lot of what comes after that. So starting with the positive at least allows your brain to hear whatever that feedback is going to be. And I think another key question in that conversation is, what do you think you could have done better? Or what do you think the outcome could have been more successful if? And let them answer. Because, you know, lots of times there are these time constraints or there may be resource constraints. And with both of those, um, they, would, they may come up with something that says, if I had more of this, we could have done this, which absolutely allows you to prepare for the next time of um, that feedback and, and making sure that they're much more successful. And it's also a co-creation at that point, right? It's not yes. just an authoritative one, which, uh, which is nice because it dovetails into the next point, which is what kind of leader are you? Right. When you are first assuming that management role for the first time and you're thinking yep. about what success looks like, figuring out what kind of leader you are, uh, what kind of hat you're going to wear can be important. Right. And you know what? There's different skills of leadership at different points in time. Um, you know, there's the inspirational leadership leader. There's the med uh, mediator. 
facilitator and negotiator. Um, and, and each one of those takes on a different role based on the situation. And you will learn through experience and time which one to be. Um, sitting back, inspiring someone who who's may, may have had a little hiccup as well, and reinforcing them, knowing that they actually have the ability to get forward will actually re-energize them and, and their um, peers. Um, and then sometimes you may be in a meeting and, and between different you know, functions, depending on what your role is, um, you've got to be able to sit there and synthesize what's coming in and see where you can actually get the individuals to come together. That is your facilitator. Um, and then negotiation, that's, that's a tough one sometimes because there are a lot of individuals who think that if they lose in the negotiation, they lost considerably, but you have to make them look at it as it's really a win-win situation. I love Chris Voss's uh, masterclass, and he's an FBI negotiator, but one of yes. the tactics that he talks about is not only repeating maybe three words that the other person said, but mirroring their behavior. Because at the end of the day, what people want to be heard, people just want to be heard. And in a negotiation, that just puts that on steroids. Yeah, and, and I, I also listened to his masterclass. Um, we seem to be on the same wavelength here with these masterclasses. And um, I had once had someone say to me, what makes you think, recently say, well, what makes you think you have more influence than I? It was not a good conversation. Um, and we have those once in a while. And I, and I did is I said, what makes you think I don't? And it was a very interesting reply because this person couldn't really answer and I wasn't trying to short circuit a future conversation but I was trying to ease down um, you know sort of the back and forth that was going on between us so um, it turns out that uh, it worked very well and I I think Chris Voss is wonderful yeah I love I love it and I think Robin Roberts and I saw another one just yes. come online as well which I have yet to see yes yeah well, that brings us to the end of our Drink Like a Lady podcast, episode nine, where we're talking about the first management role that you assume and what does success look like. We just shared our five tips on what success can look like and how to get started on that path. Number one is to define your role. Number two is to build good relationships with your team. Number three is to make sure you identify and, this is an important part, communicate your goals, not only to your team, but to your, your compatriots around you, providing feedback and making sure that not too much time lapses between the time that you are asked to provide feedback and you do it. And then also understanding what kind of leader are you? You know, are you an inspirational leader? Are you a mediator? Are you a facilitator? Are you a negotiator? Or is that context dependent? Maybe you're all those things, but it depends on the context. As always, I'm joined by Kathy DeChirico-Stewart, who is my partner on this podcast. She's a business strategist. Kathy, if anybody wants to work with you, how do they get in touch with you? They can call... Um the office number at 609-933-7600 and my email at stuartkathy at gmail.com. And as always, you can get a hold of me at info at ladydrinks.com and we will see you next Wednesday right here at the same time, 3 p.m. Eastern.